I hope you're not getting used to not going to church. I hope that you haven't gotten used to putting on pajamas, eating Pop-Tarts with a praise in, with a praise in, in your mouth, a little bit of Pop-Tart on the other part of your mouth. I hope you're not getting used to wearing your pajamas, sitting there on the couch, acting like say, typing amen but not saying amen. I hope you're not getting lazy because, you know, while we have survived, this isn't the best plan. It is definitely the will of God for us to gather together. And today I want to talk about the value and importance of gathering together because here pretty soon we're going to have to kickstart getting up and driving a car again. We're going to have to get back into the groove of waking up and getting our prayer time in and coming to church. We're going to have to get back in the groove of gathering and putting up with people you don't like. We're going to have to get used to that again, dealing with church gossip. You're going to have to get used to it again, being around people that sometimes frustrate you. And so today I want to help you. I want to prepare you. And there's people right now that you've joined in online and you're watching going, man, I love online church. I just don't want to put up with the people in church. And I want to tell you that you can't continue to live that way. You can't keep having an online church. It's not the will of God. It's not biblical. And today I want to tell you, I want to encourage you that whenever this is all over, you need to find a church and be in that church. You need to have a pastor. You need to have brothers and sisters. You need to have somebody sitting beside you that doesn't always agree with you, that will tell you the truth, that will pray with you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. The Bible says, the writer of Hebrews, which is unknown to us, many believe the Apostle Paul, which would make perfect sense. But the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 23, that we are to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. That's what stability. For he who promised is faithful that we can trust his promises and let us consider one another. I want you to notice the context before we get to the most popular scripture of the hour because I'm about to read the most popular scripture of many churches and very many mottos of many pastors during this month and a half. But let us, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another, not ourselves, not just us. Let us consider one another, because when we consider one another, we should be able to stir up. We should be able to stir up. I know you've heard the phrase, stir the pot, stir up. This is actually a good thing, not a bad thing. When you stir up things, you mix, and mixing is good, because mixing takes the edges off. Mixes takes your personality flaws and mine, and we merge together, and we become better. You want to stir. If you don't stir ingredients, you don't get the cake. You've got to stir to get the gumbo. You've got to stir to get the flavor. You've got to mix. I know that you're not into mixing, but the, the whole purpose of context here is into mixing. Some people don't like mixed. I like mixed. Everybody likes mixed. Some people that don't believe in mixing don't eat anymore. Just keep eating one thing at a time because we enjoy the flavors that mix together. And so the Bible says consider one another to stir up love. You see, you shouldn't stir up hate. You should stir up love. You shouldn't stir up Bad things, you should stir up good things. So you've got to get together and stir up, and you've got to have love stirred up and good work stirred up. What that means is, is when you get together, you should be producing an environment of love, producing an environment of good works. That's the end goal. That's not necessarily what happens when the spoon hits the pot, because when the spoon hits the pot, you're pushing everybody around. But the end goal is to be a good product. The end goal of gathering is a good product, not, not the beginning. The beginning's tough. It's hard in the beginning. But the end goal is when you're done, you have something that's love and something that's good works. Two things people are looking for in life is love and results. 
And that comes from getting stirred and mixed in with others. Now look at the context on the next verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day, the day approaching. And the reference of the day would, of course, be the day when we can't gather anymore because the Lord's going to come back for us. The end times, the day being the time when there's no point in gathering. We'll all be caught up in the heavens and we'll be going to see Jesus and we'll gather there forever together. I have a lot of people, there are a lot of people that I know and people that are using this as their banner right now when the government tries to shut down their churches. And they say, God forbid, we will not forsake our gathering. Now, let me give you a few observations before I dive into our topic and tell you that first of all, it didn't say how many was supposed to gather. So for those of you out there who are trying to add to the scriptures, which is not supposed to happen, it didn't say to gather with just your local church. Now, that's what some guys are saying. Some guys are saying, now the word says, I got to gather with my local church. Well, if you believe that you have to gather and it's the will of God and your law, how come you're not gathering with all the believers in your town? Why are you just gathering with your, 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 your local building? If the Bible says gather, why aren't you gathering with all your brothers and sisters who have the Holy Ghost in your town? Why are you segregating them from you? Why aren't you shutting down your church and getting with other pastors? See, there's a lot of holes and loot. There's a lot of things people don't understand when we misquote scriptures. We use the context we want to fit us, right? Now, the Bible says not to forsake, which means it's in our power to make sure if we can go, we will go. That's what it means, right? So we have been in a season where we know that everything has been shut down and some think this is persecution against the church, but I am amazed that they shut down sports. The God of sports, we always called it the God of sports in church growing up, but sports are shut down. Now, when sports were shut down, it gave me a little sense of relief that this wasn't an attack against churches, right? Now, there may be a day coming when they say, look, everything's online, but not churches. Now, that is a problem, and that's when we as Christians will have to rise up and stand together because then we have a massive issue because it's better to get together. It's better to get together. But the Bible does not say the number of people you need to have a mix. The Bible does not say you need 200. The Bible doesn't say you need 10. The Bible doesn't tell you. The Bible just says that you need to get together. Because the more you can get together, the more you can mix and get love and good works mixed into your life. So for people who take it out of context and say that it has to be me and my church gathering or you're going against the word of God, I don't think that's the context here. The context is here, even if it's just two or three, we need to gather together. Because no man is an island to himself. So you can be seated today in Jesus' name. I want to talk about islands and how they apply now more than ever to our walk with God. Did you know that there are over 2,000 islands, 2,000 islands in the world? And there are big islands, like Greenland is actually an island. It's massive. And it's not even green. But it's called Greenland. And I guess the land part would be like the part of the island which are, they're also countries. So islands can also be countries. And there are even very, very small islands, which you and I would love to probably own one. <laughs> How many of you would confess out there that you would like to have your own private island? Everybody has a moment every day, especially you got children, where you just wish you all had your own island. 
when you could just boat over to one and take a break and have a breather. Everybody loves the concept of the island life. It sounds so good. There are times that I would just love to fly to a private island, just relax, white sands, clear water. It would be so incredible to just have our own place to relax. It's so quiet, nobody to hurt you, nobody to mess with you. Oh, it sounds so good until I got hungry. And I would wish my mom was there, or my wife, to cook me a meal. It would be so awesome at first, and then I'd realize I don't need just myself. I don't like it as much as I thought I would because I'm going to get hungry. Or I get sick and I need a medical medical doctor. I need somebody to heal me and help me. Oh, it would be so cool unless I needed something. It'd be so cool unless I got sick or hurt. Now all of a sudden I don't want to be alone on my island anymore. Oh man, it would be lonely eventually. Not at first, but eventually. Eventually you'd probably start making volleyballs out of people, into people. Eventually you'd start talking to the coconuts. Eventually your monkeys would be your friend and you'd think that they were they, you'd probably come from one for real. And eventually you would start to have this moment of, I wish I could find another person. There are studies of people that have actually gone into uh, isolation in prison where they are in confinement because of the actions that they have done to hurt others. And there is actually studies out there in nonprofit groups who are trying to uh, make this illegal because of what it does to people psychologically. When you are alone for a length of time, it actually begins to make a person's mind go crazy and snap. They begin to believe that, that uh, there are imaginary people around them because it's just in our nature to have to have somebody around. This is why the default response of people when they are alone for a long time is to create imaginary persons because it's built in us to be around somebody. We have to actually lie to ourselves and say things like, oh yeah, I'm in this prison cell, but there, here's my friend. Here, here's Ricky right beside me. We do that by default. Why? Because we're built to have relationship. We're built to not be alone forever. God did not make just Adam. He made Adam and said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. We need to make another so that Adam can have somebody with him. God wasn't even enough. Oh, Whoa, did I just step on somebody's doctrine? God wasn't even enough for Adam because he wasn't alone. God was there. God admitted that I am not enough for Adam. Adam needs people. So for those of you who think you just need God, God doesn't think that. For those of you who think that you just need God and you by yourself, God disagrees. God wants to give you somebody. Somebody that comes from you, somebody like you to relate to with you, someone that can look at you and say, look, I know you're not hearing God right now, but you'll hear me. I'm not here breathing before you. See, we need people in our lives, and it was the will of God always to not be alone forever. There may be seasons, but that's not the will of God to live on an island. You see, here's the problem with the island life that people love and dream of. Islands have limited resources. Number two, islands are in danger of massive storms. I don't want to live on an island. Do you see what happens to these islands whenever a massive hurricane comes through? They are demolished. They're wiped out. That's no way to live in fear all the time on this island. I don't want to be on an island with the storms of life all by myself. It's not safe long term on the island. And in the kingdom of God, there are no private islands. 
and the kingdom of God, you cannot go off on your own and do your own thing. Try to run all you want to, but it's never going to be the will of God for you to go buy your own private Christian island. It's not possible. It's not biblical. And please help me convince you today never to be that person who says me and God have our own thing going. That's what makes you crazy after time. You know why there's crazy Christians out there? Because they have nobody in their life to tell them they're crazy. They hear voices. They think that it's God. It's not God. It's the island speaking to you. Crazy people who call themselves Christian but have no accountability. Don't listen to those people. They're fake Christians. People that won't have a pastor and people that won't let other people speak in their life are not people of God. Please stop thinking those people are our people because people that get that crazy head on them and they have nobody to listen to, they're not in the will of God. So don't put them in my group of people because they're island people and that's not the will of God. The church was built to operate like a community. All throughout the scripture, you can see it clear. And this weekend coming up marks the end. I guess I had to pause to say this because this is, this is really awesome. <laughs> when I saw it here in my notes, I thought, wow, is this for real? But this weekend marks the end of many online gatherings. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad? This weekend marks a chance where we can finally get together. We've been itching and dying so much to do this. And many people think we're crazy for wanting something like that so badly. Many people think that's so crazy because in our culture today, it's sad, but there are boats on the highway on the way to church and people going shopping and people that are thinking of everything except going to church. And we can't help ourselves. We're so excited. And so many people look at us because we want to gather. We want to have church. They, 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 they want to persecute and say, why do you want to have church? I know it's weird. I know the world doesn't understand this weird thing about wanting to gather. I get it. But please don't call us crazy because we want to go back to church. Maybe in some ways. But before you call us crazy, please understand that I don't need alcohol at five o'clock to have a happy hour. I mean, before you call church folks crazy because we want to gather all the time, then please, 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 please understand there's some things that, that I got going for me that are good and I go to church. There's some reasons why you ought to look at my lifestyle and say maybe church is good for him. If you ever want to trade your happy hour with painful consequences for a happy 24 hours with heaven in your future, then come see us at Austin First Church. I promise you, the Lord can trade you that one hour for 24 hours. You don't have to worry about the diseases and all the things that come with it. You don't have to worry about killing somebody on the highway because we know we have found our freedom here. Please don't call us crazy because I don't need a pill to sleep at night. I know it's rare in our society, but I don't have to have one. I sleep just fine. Just need a good pillow. <laughs> Some people need a pillow. I need a pillow. That's what I need to sleep at night. I don't need to binge watch to get my worries away. I don't know how you go to sleep at night, but I don't have to do that. I don't have to escape. I can still sleep. Sometimes I'm stressed and I'm still awake, but a lot of times that's because the Lord's dealing with me and I'm thinking about things. But eventually, I'm going to sleep good. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to make my notes and sleep good. I don't even have to binge eat to self-medicate. Wow. Yeah. Why'd you go there? Because, hey, hey, y'all, this is a good time to binge eat. 
This is a good time to eat all that stuff you thought you had to have, and the store stayed open. <laughs> y'all thought y'all had to stock up. We all did, and all of a sudden, now you've got 45,000 boxes of Twinkies, and you're sitting there just like, well, I'm not having a good day. I'm going to go ahead and just finish this off right now. Looks like the pandemic is over. But I'm, I've just come to tell you there are people out there that they have to binge, eat, to self-medicate. It's all over the place. No one confesses it, but it's obvious. You don't have to confess it to see it. People binge eat to medicate. I don't have to do that. Sometimes I do it, but I don't have to do it. I don't have to. Because there's times I fast, and that tells me I don't have to. Can you fast? Can you fast? Can you fast food? If you can't fast, no, I know you fast food, but can you fast food? So I, mean, I can fast food, Pastor. I fast food all the time. Every, every day I fast food. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I go through the fast food drive. I go get it. But can you not eat food for a while? Because if you can fast consistently, then you're not a binge eater. It doesn't have control over you. You don't eat your feelings and your emotions. So we're not crazy, but we are confident. Just maybe, maybe the church you visited isn't worth going to back in the day. Maybe that church isn't worth it. But please don't call us crazy because it's helping you. It's helping people in this church. Church is helping us. Church is making us better. So please, before you judge us and say we're crazy, please understand that this is good for us. It's helping us. It's taking away a lot of things that you might have to have in your life to make it. But the church is being a blessing to us. We will gather when we can because, here's the reason, the first church was built on togetherness. Acts 2 and 41, the Bible says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. Now all who believed were together. Now all who believed were together because believers get together. You're not a believer if you're by yourself. You're not a believer if you're by yourself. Believers get together and they have all things in common. You can't find things in common until you get together. When you first get together, you don't have all things common. You have all things different. But whenever you become a believer and you take on the lifestyle and personality of Jesus, you're able to mix well and play well with others. And after time, when you get together by joining in with the Spirit, after a while, you will eventually have all things common. You'll share preferences together. That's the power of being together. You start to mix. You start to mix. You start to mingle together. And that's the will of God. They even sold their possessions in verse 45, and they sold their goods, and they divided them among all as anyone that had need. Wow. The first church did that? The first church actually ended up selling some stuff they didn't need so they could help others? Now notice, they all had things in common. The Bible did not say that half of them had needs and the other half had wealth. The Bible says they all gave in. I imagine it like this. The man that had the land would sell it and use the money, and the, and the poor man who had nothing only had a trade, knew how to sew or knit or knew how to do a brick working or woodworking. The woman that could sew, the man that could do brick working. I believe that everybody brings their talent and gift to the kingdom. I don't believe anybody sits there on a pew and gets handouts. That's not, that's not the will of God. You, if you're the only one getting the handout in church, you're the island. And we're not islands. That's why no matter what your gift is, whether it's big or small, you have to give your gift to the kingdom. 
No one should be sitting back in the church, no matter your age, no matter your background or education. Everyone has something to offer in the church. If it's nothing else besides showing up and hugging somebody, saying you can make it, that's what you can give to the kingdom. We have to mesh together. We've got to mix together. It's everyone's job to get in this thing and give what they can give. Nobody should be sitting back. Bible says in verse 46 and 47, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Can I pause for a moment and clarify that they did gather in the temple because they were attempting to outreach to people who needed to know about Jesus Christ and what he had done. They gathered in public buildings and they gathered in homes. They gathered in both. So before you say church should be in a house, they gathered in temples too. Now, of course, they had to go into their homes when the temples, they were run out of them. Because of persecution, they were forced to go into smaller homes. But they gathered in temples. They gathered in homes. It did not matter. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. You know why that was simple? Because they had each other. Do you know that, that there are countries that don't have near what we have? And there are people, even in our church, that don't have near as much as others, but they have each other. And they're happy. Because having people makes you happy. Good relationships fulfill you where money cannot. Good relationships bless you where even health sometimes you have somebody there encouraging you. You can make it through the storms of your life. And the Bible says it was simple for them because they had togetherness. Praising God together, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to that church daily those who were being saved. There was a long time ago when the church, many years ago, loved to be together so much that sometimes they would gather seven nights a week. Can you imagine that today? People can't imagine that. Seven nights a week. There's people watching this online video going, no way. I got soccer on Thursday. I got to go knit on Tuesday. I got on Wednesday, I got to get my Chick-fil-A free sandwich. Uh, oh, man, I got, I got this, I got that. There's no way I could fit in. I work till 6. I can't fit that in. There's no way. But there was a day when people work all day in the sun, and they'd be dead tired, and they would somehow say, get ready. We're going to the house of God, and we're going to gather. There was a day when people loved to gather more than doing their own thing on their own island. They loved getting together with the church. That was the same day that saw miracles and signs and wonders. That was the same church that back in those days when they gathered that the devils were cast out. That's the same church I'm talking about. And we have slowly gotten individualistic in this culture. We have slowly lost unity more and more and we've never been more different than ever because we have not had our togetherness protected. Yeah, there were some knockdown dragouts back in the day. But they'd get over them, they'd fight through it, and it'd be okay. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, now Paul talking to the Corinthian church, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Same mind and same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, that by those of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you church people. In the house of Chloe, in the Bible, the house of Chloe, they got tired, they got sick of all the drama, and they told Paul. And Paul wrote a letter in response. Because somebody, sometimes in church, you just got to take it to the leader. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you just can't fix it. 
and there was a particular family in this, in this first church that they didn't like it. They didn't like what was happening. And they said, Paul, you started this thing. Help us out. Help us, man. And so Paul got involved and wrote the letter of Corinthians to this Corinthian church. Paul called out the contentions. He could have told them to run and hide from each other, but instead he begged them to speak the same thing. He could have said, separate yourselves and cool off, and you have church over here for a month, you have church over there for a month, but instead he said, don't stop getting together. Change the way you talk to each other. Change the way you speak. If you can change your mouth, you can change the outcome of your divisions. Don't have contention, but stop talking all that mess so that they could be perfectly joined together in the same thoughts and decisions. They were arguments, and that ranged from their favorite preacher dealing with the mother-in-law sleeping with the son-in-law in church. And they would argue and fight, and they would bicker. You know, sometimes the island life looks really good whenever stuff like that's happening on the mainland. Sometimes it's tempting when that kind of stuff's happening in church to say, I'm out, I'm going to the island. Just run away, I'm going to get by myself. But hold on a second, because Paul tells this young man sleeping with his mother-in-law to get out of the church. That's what the Bible says. I know that we're living in an hour where no one's ever been kicked out of church, ever. And that's why there's weak churches, and that's why there's hurting people in churches, because we let people that won't listen and repent stay at the casualty of people that are good, innocent people in church. So Paul said, you got to get out. And look what he says in the Scriptures. He says, I turned this man who would not listen and repent over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh and the salvation of his soul. Because God would rather you lose your flesh and gain salvation than keep the comfort of your flesh and go to hell forever. Did you know that Jesus sometimes shows you that he loves you by letting the devil get a hold of you? Because the devil can't, the devil can't do anything except the Lord allows him to. And so whenever the Lord allows the devil to touch just your flesh, he can't touch your spirit. And sometimes the devil's attacking you because you won't repent and because God's taken the guard off of you and the protection off of you. And the reason why you're sick and you're messed up is because God's trying to get you to wake up. So Paul said, I turn you over to the devil. No one's ever heard a preacher say that. Hey, buddy, you're not listening. I'm turning you over to Satan. He's going to destroy your flesh. I wonder how many people that have been attacked by the devil, it was because they won't repent. They won't get right. You think that God's left you. No, God's actually for you. God's allowing the devil to hurt you so that you'll get your spirit right and come back and repent. It's for the saving of your soul is the reason why he did it. This man in adultery would have had no hope if it wasn't for this, this secret agent Chloe, I call her, or him or whoever it was. Sounds like a girl name, but it probably was a guy name. The secret agent, Chloe, and Paul got together. This is the blessing of the body of Christ. This is the blessing of it. It's, it's ability to reveal who you are and help you get right. What was the hope of the man in adultery if he had not had Paul in, in the house of Chloe? What was the hope of someone who had no need or no knowledge they had to repent? Here's the blessing of the body of Christ. When you're doing things that will send you to hell, this is the blessing of the body of Christ. Somebody will see it and intervene and help you. Do you want to be lost or do you want to be saved? Because the benefit of the body of Christ is that somebody will catch you and you're not repenting and help you to repent so that your soul can be saved. See, everybody's right in their own eyes. And that's why you can't be your own judge in your own island. 
You have to have people in a church to help you see yourself when you're going wrong and you're living on that island life. You've got to have somebody besides you looking in the mirror saying, you're, right, you're not right in this situation. You've got to wake up. So ladies and gentlemen, listening right now, I present to you the greatest salvation organization on the planet. It's called the church. God built the church because he wanted to make sure that when we didn't know we were messed up, there'd be somebody beside us to help us understand that we're not going right. And do you want to keep living in the ditch? You want to keep trying to dig yourself up all the time because you have nobody on your side, nobody looking at you, nobody caring for you? Or do you want someone in your life that will speak up and say, if you keep going down this road, it will cost you your soul? Yes, we need the church. When this is all over with, get out of your island, get off online and come to church. You need to get around some brothers and sisters. You need to get off the island life. Everybody loves the island life. There was actually some honeymooners that were stuck on an island when the pandemic hit. It was kind of a cool write-up because you'd think they'd be happy, but they were sick of it. Because you know why? Your paradise is not fun when it turns into your prison. See, this couple was stuck, and they chose to be there. But see, they, they had the freedom when they got there, but then they couldn't leave. And they were the only two people on the resort. And they said they got sick of people coming by saying, you want to go snorkel today? How could you get sick of that? None of us would ever get sick of that, right? We're dying to go out there and just swim with fish all day. Sounds like fun having people feed you fruit. But when you've done it for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, it's not enough. Because you want socializing. You want to get around people. You want to get back around some love. It's not enough. The pleasure's not good enough. Island life is never what you think it is. Too, too many people, island life turns into a prison. You get so used to it, you don't know how to reintegrate into the world. The church is the greatest salvation organization on the planet. It's called community. It's called togetherness. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. For as the body... 1 Corinthians 12 and 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Whether we're Jews or whether we're Greeks, it does not matter. Whether we're slaves or whether we're free people, it does not matter. We have all been made to drink into one spirit. When you get in the church, you share the same cup, as nasty as that sounds. You have shared spit with people. I know you might think that's gross, but it's not gross when your fence is breaking down and you want someone to come help you repair it. You see, it's a small price to pay for the blessings of God that people say, I'm not sharing a cup with you, that's nasty, but you don't understand the benefits of sharing that cup. Because, yeah, at first it's a little gross getting that close, but the truth is over time when you share something like this with each other, it's a bond that cannot be easily broken. And there comes a day for everybody when you're so glad that you've got somebody in your corner to rescue you. 
Ephesians says we're a body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the body under the lifting up, the building up, the edifying of itself in love, fitly joined together. If Christ has a body and that body is made up of people, then you have to be with the people to fit in the body. What is the body of Christ? It's people. Somebody say people. If you're not with the people, you're not in the body. That's, that's the logical conclusion here is that if you're not with the people, you're not in the body. Because the body is the people. So you can't be on your own and be in the body. It's impossible. If you're not together, you don't fit. It's the will of God to be with me and for me to be with you. It's the will of God for us. The body of Christ is the church. And when you disconnect from church, you disconnect from Jesus. You can't be connected to the head unless you can get connected to the body. You can't be with Jesus unless you're with the church. There's no such thing as by yourself and Jesus. Because you've got a, you've got a head rolling around in your living room. You and Jesus, little head. You have to have the whole thing, not just the part that, that you want to have. There are no Christian islands. The Holy Ghost first poured out on a what? An individual or a gathering? What did the Holy Ghost pour out in? Go read your Bible, Acts chapter 2. The Bible says they all gathered together in one place, 120 people. That's when the Holy Ghost fell. The Holy Ghost never fell on one person at first. It fell on a multitude of people. If you want to be where the Holy Ghost falls, get around some people that are obeying Jesus just like you. The Holy Ghost didn't fall on an island. It fell on a nation. It fell on a mainland. It fell on a gathering of people that were in unity and one mind and one accord. That's when the Holy Ghost poured out. Jesus said, if we would gather and touch something in agreement, uh, he said he would be in the midst of us. Uh, he agreed that we need to be together in unity. Jesus explained how the shepherd would stay with the flock unless one sheep strayed and was lost. Uh, he would then leave the 99 and go for the one lost sheep. How'd you know the sheep was lost? Because that one sheep wasn't with the 99. How do you know you're lost? You're not with the other 99. Now, I'm so glad the shepherd will go after you, but that doesn't mean you're going to come back to the flock. But in this parable, how do you know you're lost? You're lost when you're not with the 99. I'm sorry we missed you for the last three months in church. Where were you? I was taking care of things. No, you're lost. If you're not with the flock, you are lost. Jesus said any sheep that's not gathering with the flock is lost. Well, I can be saved and not be with the flock. No, you can't. Jesus said he's looking for you, and while he's looking for you, you're lost. That's what the Bible says. There are some things you can't do on your private island. Listen to this. Jesus said if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. Who do you call on your island? I, I don't believe I have to have church or pastors. I believe I can take care of myself, just me and Jesus. The Bible says call the elders of the church. Who are you calling on? You have no elders. You have nobody knows how to pray in your life. So, so what do you do? Paul told the Corinthian church to use the gifts of the Spirit to build each other up. Use prophecy, healing, miracles, faith, words of knowledge, and wisdom. These all happen when you're with the church. If you're not with the church, you can't have access to the gifts. You know why you never have prophecy in your life? Because you won't go to church. You know why I never had healing working? Because you're not around the church. You know why there's no word of wisdom or knowledge? Because you're not around the church. You, are, you have no access to the gifts because you're not around the people of God. You're cutting yourself short because you're not around the church. Most of the New Testament letters were written to individuals. Oh, wait. No, they weren't. They were written to the church. 
Wow, you couldn't even get the letter if you weren't in the church. Imagine if you skipped church the day that Paul delivered the letter. You wouldn't even know the scripture. I don't want to do it all myself. I'm going to do it by myself. Don't worry about it. I don't need the church. He didn't write to individuals because the church is not an individual. The church is a gathering. The church are people that connect and unify. And you couldn't even get the scriptures if you didn't even get in church in the first church. People always come by asking for money at the church. And the first thing I do, they come to a church, so I'm assuming they must believe in Jesus while you at the church asking for help from Jesus. So the first thing I do is I say, do you have a church? Well, yes, yes, sir, I do have a church. Where's it at? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's in the past town that I lived in a couple months ago. I haven't found one yet. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, you've had two months. Church on every corner, and you can't find one. It's as, and, and most of these people don't believe. They don't care what church they go to. Most people believe anything. They can go to any church. They just don't choose a church. So I think it's a little bit of a lie, a little bit of a cop-out. And then when they do tell me they have a church, I ask them, oh, yeah, so who's your pastor? I forgot his name. How do you forget your pastor's name? See, you can't, you can't, you can't play me. You can't, you can't do that to me, all right? All right? I'm from the Burbs in East Texas, all right? I got a little hood, I got a little hood in me too, all right? I know, I know how it works. I lived in a trailer park for a couple of years, and my dad owned it, but still, you know, I lived in a trailer park, okay? Y'all back off, okay? Y'all, y'all don't know me like that over here in East Austin. You don't understand that. But people come up trying to ask for money, and they say stuff like this. You know, sir, they're all, like, respectful, and they're all Christian to me. I believe in Jesus, and I'm saved, and I got all that. I, I've been Holy Ghost washed and all that stuff. I just need some help right now. Well, who's your pastor? Oh, I don't have a pastor. Where's your church? I don't have a church. Don't you wish you had one? Wouldn't it have been nice right about now to have one? Wouldn't it have been cool if you'd have stayed in that church you were at two months ago? Wouldn't it have been cool if you actually talked to that pastor? Wouldn't it be nice if you had someone in your life that you had been spending time with that when you hit a bad spot, they might rescue you? Wouldn't it have been really cool if you didn't just be an island until you were needed a rescue and you come to the church when you need a rescue and now all of a sudden you want to be in the body of Christ? We don't have all things common. We have all things common. They just showed up. But people too many times only want the church when they need a bailout. And this is not the will of God. Can I encourage you right now? You're, you're, you're seeing sunny skies right now, and you think life is good because right now you don't need God or a pastor or anybody in your life, but there's going to come a day, one day, you're going to wish somebody was at the hospital praying for you when you get cancer. There's going to come a day, one day, when it won't be like this forever, and you might have a tough time, and you might wish to God you had somebody that would counsel with you, somebody that would visit with you, someone that would text you or call you. You might wish one day that you had went to church. Too many people regret the choice to not have a church. And I've come to tell you right now, do not wait until the moment you need a rescuing because we've got 250 people in this church to rescue. And they are the priority. We cannot let this church sink to save one person we don't know financially. So if you want to get a good life the way God has for you, get in the Church. <laughs> pastors are in churches and they exist to watch and guide the church members. But we as pastors cannot watch who's not here. I can't help you if you're not here. I can't pick up on the spirit. I can't tell if you're really on fire or not. And sometimes when I'm around you and I'm joking, I can't find out if you have a sensitive spirit or an attitude until I mess with you and joke with you and find out you need lots of prayer. See, you got to be around the flock to know the flock. 
You've got to be around people to kind of know what they're struggling with. And people that don't want to be around their pastor, it's not the pastor's fault. It's the fear of being told you're wrong or you need to change. Because we, we want to impress the pastor. You don't want to impress me. You want to impress him. You don't impress me. You want to impress Jesus. You see, he's the one that matters the most. And the only way to impress Jesus is to get around someone that will help you think outside the box about yourself. Help challenge your ideas. And you have to be around a pastor to be watched over. I can't guide people who are not here. I can't help you. This is why you need to be in church and have a pastor in your life. I'm not going to be like the other pastors who never helped you. If you make a commitment to me, I make a commitment to you. And together, we can go to heaven. I'm closing. Paul told the Galatian church, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a fault, in Galatians 6 and 1, those of you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, because we've also made mistakes, lest thou also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Two things should happen when one of us fails. The fallen should have meek helpers try to help them up. The helpers, number two, should learn from the failure so they don't fall too. So if there's nobody around you that's failing, then you'll never know what not to do. See, I didn't do drugs when I was growing up because I had a lot of friends that did. I had people in my life that did it. I had people in my life that had the drinking and the alcohol and the, and the car wrecks and all the problems. And I saw them, and I didn't want to be like that. You see, when you're an island, you never see anybody make mistakes. So you never learn what not to do. See, the benefit of being around each other, even people that make mistakes, is that I can learn from your dumb decisions. When you go out and buy that house and pay too much for it, can't sell it later. <laughs> I learn from that. I know that's never happened to anybody in our church. Whenever you buy a car and pay too much for it, and you're upside down every three years, I learn from you. Whenever you eat too much chocolate and candy and you get unhealthy, I learn from you. You see, you don't ever want to be around anybody because you don't ever want to learn from people's mistakes. But we have to be around each other even flawed people that make mistakes. You see, I don't look down on people that make mistakes. I want to help them. But a part of my help is them helping back me. Because when I make a mistake and you pick me up, you learn from the thing that I went through because you have a front row seat at my failure. So my flaws bless you. How do you get picked up when you fall if you're not around anybody else? We have a horrible epidemic in the church of not asking for help and not helping each other. When someone has something conquered that you have not conquered, go ask them for help right now. Because the purpose of the church is for those of us who have fallen and have faults to be picked up and cared for by meek spiritual people. How can you get cared for when you refuse to get around anybody? Pastor, there are people with faults in church. Yes, there are. And that's good for you. Because that may give you a purpose for once. See, you know why you have no joy and purpose? Because you're not around anybody you can help. 
Going to church fulfills your purpose because when you're around people that are flawed, you get a chance to serve them and make them better. And there's no better feeling in the world than helping someone with a fault, someone hurting, someone that's messed up, rise up and be restored again. There's no better feeling in the world than that feeling. So you've got to be in the church to be lifted up. And you've got to be in the church to learn from each other's mistakes. How many times have I asked the brothers at our church that know things I don't know, like construction, hey, brother, what should I do about this? Hey, hey, uh, hey, Ned Cooney, what do I do about this car situation? Oh, hey, Brother Smith, Brother Shields, what do I do about my air conditioning situation? It's so nice to have people in my life uh, that I can lean on them for advice. Uh, I can learn from them. It's so nice to have people around me that can say, Pastor, I made a mistake here. Don't make that mistake like I did. It's so nice to have a community where I can grow and I can help others to grow. This is the perfect plan that God has for the church. I know we don't like the drama, we need the drama sometimes. We need to learn to work things out, and only the Holy Ghost can work some things out. You've got to learn to use it, or you'll find, out, you'll find out if you lost it real quickly if you can't use it. I hear it all the time. It's uncomfortable at church sometimes dealing with difficult people. I'm not good with social skills. I don't like crowds. I don't like talking. No, you have never ever said the real reason in those comments. Those are not the real reasons why you don't want to go to church. Those are all excuses of things that have happened to you in your past. That's not really who you are. Everybody wants to be around people. Everybody. If, you, if you're cool not being around people, why are you making substitutes when you get home? Because if you're happy without people, why is there a substitute in your life? No one's just happy without people without a substitute. See, everybody that doesn't want to be around people wants to be in a book. Are there people in the book? Yeah, imaginary people. Well, I don't, I don't really need to be around people. I'll just be around TV. Oh, are there people on TV? Let's see. Yeah. Unless you're watching VeggieTales, there are people on TV, okay? People, I don't want to be around people. No, you do want to be. You just don't want to have to, you don't have to be challenged by people. You don't have to serve people. It's a selfish spirit. I have good news for people who don't know if they can handle people in church that have problems. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost is a comforter. And you don't understand that scripture until you get around people in church. And you feel uncomfortable all the time. And then the Holy Ghost comes to your rescue and says, it's okay, calm down. You got this. Calm down. The Holy Ghost is a comforter. So those of you who feel uncomfortable going to church, uncomfortable opening your mouth, uncomfortable asking for help, the Holy Ghost is a comforter. You can do anything uncomfortable because of the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost gives you the power to do things you're not comfortable doing. Even going to church and putting up with crowds. In our text, the writer of Hebrews encourages them to continue meeting up together so that they can stir up love and good works, encouraging one another. And then he says, some are starting not to show up. In their day, public worship was a big red target for persecution. To meet up meant that they could be caught, imprisoned, imprisoned, or killed. Some were giving in to the threats of persecution. But still, the writer said, even in the face of persecution, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Whoa, 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 they're, they're, they're going to hurt us if we get together. It's going to be worth it, buddy. Get together. 
But what about the things that happen when we get together? Don't worry about that. Get together. There's never an excuse not to try to get together. This scripture does not say get together with everybody in your local church. It just says get together. If you can't get together with 200, get together with two or three or four or five. But don't you ever stop getting together. Don't you ever stop. You take the risk, but you get together. You make sure at some stage of your life, uh, you get off that island and you get back together. Because we're always better together than we are apart, uh, even in the face of persecution. Even in the face of death, uh, we will attempt uh, to get together. There are underground churches all over the world that the government says you can't be together and they're still together. Do you know why? It's worth the risk of imprisonment. Even in prison, you're together with other prisoners. I heard there was a pastor that the judge wanted to throw him in jail, but the judge said, the judge said, uh, you know what? I'm going to keep you on house arrest because I think it'd be better than putting you with the prisoners because of the way this pastor was preaching about Jesus all the time. We are better together. The, the gospel spreads together, not apart. All the healing we need is better together. The encouragement we have to have is better together. The church was built to be together. We lose when we're by ourselves. That's why that pastor's on house arrest. Because the devil wants to keep us individual and separate and by ourselves on this island. He does not want us to be together because together the gospel spreads. Together there's miracles. Together we're blessed. Together revival continues. Whether it's two or three or five or ten or two hundred or two thousand or thirty thousand, it does not matter. We must get together. And I encourage you right now, if you're thinking about letting the online church be your future, you can't do that. You'll never get what you need. Never out of online church. To anyone, anyone out there, I stand 100% against online church when you can go to church. I don't care what you think the cool fad is. I don't care what technology is doing. It will never be the will of God for you to sit at home and watch church behind a screen. Never. There might be seasons you have to, but it is not the will of God to stay that way. And I will tell everybody, I will tell every pastor, I will never agree with the online church model as the normal. The Bible says we must gather. We must gather. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, for every one of us in the name of Jesus to never forsake each other. Right now, there's a temptation, I'm sure, for people to get comfortable. I don't have to go to church, Pastor. I can just watch you online. I can just send in some money and watch you online. No, you cannot. No, God, help us right now. Help people right now that are watching all over the world that are saying, man, I like this. I can just watch this video. I can just watch that pastor's video. No, you cannot. You have to have a pastor, a brother, a sister. You have to have somebody in your life to help you with your flaws, help you when you fall, help you lift you up when you're down, help you with the gifts of the Spirit. I hope I've convinced you today right now in Jesus' name, no, you cannot stay in that couch. It's not the will of God. You must gather at all costs. You must gather in the face of persecution. You must gather together. It is the will of God, and I come against the spirit of the end times where people can think I can be a Christian and not gather. It is not true. It's not the will of God. You'll never be blessed in that life.
you'll regret that decision. And I've come hopefully with the spirit of conviction to make someone's heart snap and go, I must, I must find a church like this church that preaches this truth. I must find some brothers and sisters. I don't always agree with them, but I need them. I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of being an island. It was nice at first, but now I'm miserable, starving, and desperate for healing. God, I'm praying for our family and friends right now who don't go to church and they say I'm good. There's no way you're good. There's no way you're okay. You're substituting what you think you don't need. You're finding it in drugs and alcohol and women and men. You're finding entertainment. You're not good. You know you're lonely. You know you're sad. That's why you can't give all those things up. That's why you can't give all those things up and stay home by yourself. You can't just sit there staring at walls. You're not satisfied. Because you are built to be around the body of Christ. You're built for a brother and a sister. Maybe you don't have a family that loves you, but you can find it in the church. That's why we call each other brother and sister. Because when your home was abusive, the church is not. When you were raised with a mean dad and a mean mom, you can come to church and find the family that you never had. It's the will of God to get into the church. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm praying right now for people that are getting comfortable to snap out, uh, snap out of it, uh, and desire the church. Uh, desire going to church. I don't care who you are, where you come from. It does not matter your background. It is the will of God as a human being to gather with God's people. If you're a believer, we must gather. Would you pray for yourself right now in this closing today that you would continue to be a gatherer when, this, when all this is over, whenever we can gather again? Would you pray, God, help me not get comfortable. Help me not find my, my comfort zone here, Jesus. I want to be around people I can learn from. I want to have a pastor that can guide. I want to have people that can give counseling. I want to have a phone number to call when I'm down and out. I want to have a church that will help me when life comes against me. I don't want to be that one God that never shows up. And then all of a sudden I show up. God, I, I can do this different, Lord. The preacher just told me that it's the will of God to join. Lord, help us right now. Everyone that's hearing this message, please, I'm asking you right now. You've got to get committed and you've got to gather you've got to gather tell your friends they've got to gather tell your friends they're going to miss out if they don't gather tell your friends yeah it's not all good but there's a lot of good tell your friends it's not the will of god to stay at home when this is done we must gather again we must always gather whether we have buildings whether it's in our homes we must gather we can never stop gathering it is the lifeblood it's the reason we're strong it's the reason we all blessed when we gather. I hope that right now after I'm done, you have a new appreciation for church. And I hope that you're feeling like me and you're itching to get to the drive-up service tonight so we can at least just see smiles and waves again. It is so, so good to feel the energy and the strength of people. Maybe you don't have that, but I have that. I love that life. And I will never, ever give up trying to be gathering with the church people. It's the best in the world. It's the greatest feeling to know that I've got somebody in my corner, somebody that has my back. Uh, you can have that too today if you will join in with the body of Christ, join in with the church, and do it God's way.
In Jesus' name, I pray blessings on every person, every member, every guest, God, that has joined this live stream. I pray right now that they're already looking right now, wherever they live, they're going to try to make that drive and make that happen. They're going to research. Uh, they're going to find the truth. They're not just going to go to any church. Uh, they're going to make sure they're in the right thing with this people that will help them. I'm praying right now, Lord, make a way out of no way, Jesus, and bless God. God bless us as we travel those traveling the night to this drive-up service. Anoint us, God. Keep your hand on us. Every business, every professional out there, every company opening up their doors. God, keep us safe. God, protect people right now in this strange hour, strange time of transition back into people coming into the community. In Jesus' name, we thank you for all your blessings. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. Won't you thank God for the church right now and clap your hands and give God praise for the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for the friends of God. Thank you, Jesus, for brothers and sisters. Thank you for people that will help us and pick us up when we're down, Lord. We thank you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. We love you for my, my wife and I, our family, our church. We love you. God bless you and be blessed in Jesus' name. We'll see you online or at, at church tonight in the drive-up service in Jesus' name. Lord bless you.